Thank you for that special, ladies. Trust his word, amen. Amen. Okay. It's good to be in the Lord's house, amen. Even if it is a Thursday night. I uh, do want to say a big thank you to Pastor Brown for asking me to come. He called me a couple months ago and said, Brother Crow, you're the first one on my list, so you can come on Thursday night, Friday night, or Saturday night. Which one would you choose? And I said, well, how about Thursday night? It just sounded like a good night, so it's hard to believe. Several months ago, he made the phone call, and here we are. And uh, so thanks for coming tonight. I know as a pastor, when you come on that first night of a special meeting, you're just holding out hope that your people are going to come. And uh, I would say this is a good crowd on a Thursday night. But uh, let me just say this, if you, if you listen to my message and you say, Brother Brown, I would not come back again to hear Pastor Grohl preach. I've got great news for you. I won't be back tomorrow night, and I won't be back Saturday, and it doesn't look like I'll be back on Sunday. So if you say, Brother Brown, I don't know how the Lord laid him on your heart, um, just remind yourself it only happened for one service, amen? So uh, we can rejoice in that. I, I do notice the clock back there looks like 7.22. Brother Brown said he speaks about 35 to 40 minutes. I'm going to try to be very time-conscious time tonight. At my church at Beth Haven, they say that uh, they no, long, no longer keep track of my messages with a clock. They keep track of them with a calendar. So I'll try to be very careful about that tonight. But I do thank you, Pastor Brown, for allowing me to be here and being so kind and gracious. If my uh, memory is right, I believe this is my fourth time preaching here. I preached here for a, a Bible conference probably nine or ten years ago. In fact, Pastor Brown was sick that night and uh, couldn't make it to the service that night. I spoke once at a golf outing, and that was back in the fellowship hall. And uh, then I spoke once at the tent meeting and uh, preached right before Brother Brian McBride came up to preach. And if you want to think of a bad time to preach, I don't know if there's a worse time to preach before evangelist Brian McBride is just waiting on the platform, just waiting to be the next preacher. And, you know, when there's two preachers, the first guy, his job is just to warm up the crowd to get out of there so the second guy can preach. And I'm just like, good night. Why did, I, I mean, just any other preacher but Brother Brian McBride. And uh, so I literally felt like I was in the little leagues, but I got to hear somebody preach that night that's in the major leagues. Amen. So if you have your Bibles tonight, turn if you had to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. you would stand please for the reading of God's word. We're going to start in verse 17 and we're going to read all the way down to verse number 29. So if you'd follow along as I read, starting in verse 17. The Bible says, And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath the dumb spirit. Wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and gnashes with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answered him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. They brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said of a child. Now can I stop right there? You and I both know that Jesus knew the answer to that question before he even asked it. The question wasn't for his information. Rather, I believe it was for our information. And he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. The spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was as one dead, inasmuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. When he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Heavenly Father, help us as we look into this passage of Scripture tonight and a few other passages as well. I pray that you would give us good insight into your word. And when we leave here tonight, may we know that we've been confronted with the truth from the word of God. I thank for Pastor Brown and for his precious wife and for his family and for his ministry here. I believe he's on the verge of 27 years here at Parkview Baptist Church. God, this church for many years has held a special part in my heart. 
back in 1976, my dad candidated here and preached here on a Wednesday night and all day on Sunday. And we spent a week in the fellowship hall. And when we left, the head deacon said, Brother Kroll, it looks like they're going to give you 100% support. It looks like it's going to be a unanimous vote. And my dad called back two days later and said, don't even vote. God wants me to stay where I'm at. And yet for all these years, Parkview Baptist Church has just held that special spot in my heart. Thank for these precious people that are here tonight. Came on a Thursday night to be a part of this service. The Bible says that your word won't return void. And God, I pray that it would accomplish the purpose that you have for it tonight. Speak to our hearts, Holy Spirit of God, as you do business with us. May we be willing to do business with you. May we not leave here tonight being simply hearers of the word, but may we be doers as well. Speak to us, I pray. Do a work in our heart, we pray. And use your word as only you can, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. It was about 20 years ago, and I got an invitation to go to a church triumphant conference at Brother R.B. Willett's church in Bridgeport, Michigan. Anybody here ever heard of Brother R.B. Willett? Okay. Many of you have. Most of you have. I had gone to a couple of them before, and I, I think I, this might have been my second year in the ministry, maybe my third year in the ministry. I took my bus director with me. His first name was Scott, and we went to Bridgeport, and it was going to be a Monday night meeting and then all day Tuesday, and so we pulled into town Monday night, and they had two preachers on Monday night scheduled and two preachers on Tuesday night scheduled. I couldn't tell you who the second preacher was on Monday night, but I can tell you who the first preacher was. And the first preacher was Brother Doug Fisher from San Diego, California. He got up that night, and he said, my, my subject is going to be a very interesting subject. He said, I'm going to preach on prayer and fasting. Brother Brown, I grew up in a preacher's home from the time I was seven years old all the way up, went to Bible college for several years. And I don't know that I'd ever heard an entire message just strictly based on prayer and fasting. So I sat there probably on the fourth or fifth row and I was all ears and Brother Fisher began to preach and as he did, I, I heard some things literally for the first time. I said, oh my, how did I, I miss this? Was I not paying attention? Did, did I miss something somewhere? When he got done with his message, as oftentimes they do when there's two preachers, they don't give an invitation between the first and second preacher. And to my shame, I could not tell you who that second preacher was. The only thing I was waiting for was the invitation to be given because I knew I had to do business with the Holy Spirit of God. So we came back for Tuesday night, and Scott and I talked that night. We went to the hotel, and we talked that night, and... I think both of our ears were kind of blown back by what we heard that night, and we came back on Tuesday night, and again, I couldn't tell you who the first preacher was that night, but I can tell you who the second preacher was that night, and it was Brother Doug Fisher. He said, I'm going to pick up where I left off last night. I'm going to preach another message on prayer and fasting. I said, how, how could you add to what you said last night? When he got done with that second message, again, I was waiting to find the invitation and waiting to find the altar, and I went to the altar and I said, Holy Spirit of God, this may be a life-changing moment for me. And if that's what you intended, so be it. When I was at that altar, I, I literally felt like the Holy Spirit said, you need to take the next 72 hours and fast. All day Wednesday, all day Thursday, all day Friday. Now, wait a minute. I have an OCD, according to one lady in our church an obsessive compulsory disorder to food. She claims, and she's been in our church the whole 20, almost 22 years I've been there, and she's a pastor girl, you cannot preach an entire message without mentioning food at least once. I, I was at that altar, and I had tried to fast before this because I had heard it touched on, but I had never made it 24 hours before. When that first headache set in, I immediately found a, a can of Coke, Mountain Dew, or, or something to suffice that headache that I had. And I said, Holy Spirit of God, I'll give you Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I knew I, need that. I, I needed it. I got home that night. It was about 11.30, 11.45. And to my surprise, my wife was up. She hadn't fallen asleep yet. She said, how was the meeting? I said, the meeting was great. She said, tell me about it. I said, Tim, I don't even know how to tell you this, but I said, I literally believe what I heard between last night and tonight is going to be life-changing for me. And she said, why so? And I said, well, Brother Fisher preached on Monday night and Tuesday night on prayer and fasting. And I said, I'm going to fast the next three days. <laughs> My wife said what only a loving wife could say. She said, you'll never make it. 
She said, there's no way. She said, you've tried. How many times? You've tried a dozen times. You've never made it 10 hours before. You'll never make it 72 hours. I said, no, you don't understand. I have to make it. I made a vow to God at the altar tonight that I was going to fast for the next 72 hours. I don't have a choice. I have to do this. I got up to preach the next evening. I probably had seven or eight pages of notes. I had a splitting headache like I'd never had before in my life. I felt like I was ready to pass out at a moment's notice. But I said, God, I, I'm going to keep my word. And we made it through that day. We made it through Thursday. We made it through Friday. And I'm sharing this because over the years, the Holy Spirit has helped me so much with this. And if I could say this, I, I'm still learning about this myself. But God has taught me so much. And I've seen him do so much through prayer and fasting. And as I began to contemplate on this passage of Scripture once again in Mark chapter 9, my, my attention was brought to verse number 28. And the Bible says that when he was coming into the house, his disciples asked him privately, saying, why could not we cast him out? Now stay right there for just a moment. I'm going to read a couple of verses of Scripture. In Matthew chapter 10 and verse 1, the Bible says that when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out. Now listen to this, and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. We go over to Mark chapter 3, to Mark chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, the Bible says this, And he ordained twelve that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. We get to Luke chapter 9 and verse 1, the Bible says, Then he called his twelve disciples together, and he gave them power and authority over all devils, and to cure diseases. So the Bible made it very clear that when Jesus commissioned his 12 disciples, he gave them power and authority over all, de all devils, all diseases, all sicknesses. But in Mark chapter 9 and verse 28, they encountered a little boy, a young man, that was possessed with a foul spirit, that was possessed with a devil. And when he brought him to his disciples, this father brought him disciples, the disciples did everything in their power to cast this devil out. They'd been given power and authority over all devils. And, but I think maybe for the first time, Nothing happened. And when Jesus cast the devil out of this little boy and he came to the house, the disciples pulled him aside privately and they said, Jesus, we have a question for you. They said, why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, this kind can come out by nothing but by prayer and fasting. It seemed as if even though the Disciples received all power and all authority over devils and diseases and sicknesses that they were now encountering a spirit that seemed to have more power and more authority than they did. And Jesus simply said, this kind, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. I want to ask three questions tonight. And by the grace of God, I'll do my best to answer those questions. You say, Pastor Crow, what is fasting? What is it? What is fasting all about? Simply put, I believe biblical fasting is going without food for a specific period of time for a spiritual purpose. I can say that again. It's going without food for a specific period of time for a spiritual purpose. It's, it's not, and I don't, 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 don't take this in the wrong way. It's not rocket science. It's not something difficult. It's not something impossible. But it is something that will cause us to step outside of our box. It isn't something that we're going to readily embrace. And it's not something that we're going to get maybe all excited about when we think about the fact that I'm going to take this period of time, whether it's a day or two days or three days or whatever the Holy Spirit might land in your heart. And it's usually not something that I get all excited about. But I know there's reasons, and I know there's purposes, and I know there's commands that I should follow this. And before I get too far in my message, let me quickly say this. For some of you, fasting may not be a possibility. You could have a physical condition. You could have a medical condition. And you have to have food in order to take your proper medication. I understand all that. But can I say this? If, if you're one of those people, then you can do two things. You can ask the Holy Spirit what he would have you to do and ask your preacher. But I believe for the most of us, we can fast. I believe we can fast. 
You say, Pastor Crow, is fasting really that important? Well, in Matthew chapter 6, you remember the Sermon on the Mount? In Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 2, the Bible says, Therefore, when thou doest thine alms. And verse 3, but when thou doest alms. Now, we understand that, that alms is simply giving, correct? And, and, and we were all here just a moment ago when the ushers came across the front and, and, and prayer was given and they took those offering plates and they distributed them out throughout the auditorium. And we had an opportunity to what? To give. We had an opportunity to, to do our almsgiving, if you will. We get to verses 5 and 6. The Bible says, and when thou prayest. Verse number 6, but thou, when thou prayest. We understand that prayer is important. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, up to this point in the service, we've already prayed three times. Well, Brother Ashley prayed. Um, the, the dear Brother Adam prayed. I prayed at the beginning of my... We've already had three prayers in this message already. So we followed the pattern. We understand the importance of giving. If you're an independent Baptist, I, I make sure we pass the place every time we have a service. And if it's a really good service, we'll pass the place more than once. So we understand the importance of giving. We understand the importance of praying. But if we follow the passage of Scripture now, we get to verse 16. The Bible says, moreover, when ye fast. Verse 17, but thou, when thou fastest. I'm convinced that when you look at a balanced Christian life, I believe giving is a part of a balanced Christian life. Now, let me just throw this in there while we're there. I don't believe that when you give your tithe that you've given anything yet. In fact, we don't really give our tithe. We pay our tithe because our tithe already belongs to God. So until you give an offering, something over and above that 10%, we haven't given anything at all. We're giving back to God what already belongs to God. So we understand that giving is a very, very important part of a Christian's life. We understand that praying is a very important part of a person's life. But I believe if we follow the passage of Scripture, Jesus adds one thing to that. And he says, I don't want you to just stop with the giving and the praying. I would like you to ask, add to that fasting. So Pastor Kroll, can you give me some more thoughts about fasting? I'll do my best. According to Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 4, and even according to Mark Chapter 9, verse 29. I believe that fasting will take our prayers to the next level. If you go to the Old Testament, Leviticus 23, 27, fasting was required in the Old Testament. On the Day of Atonement, the Jews were required to fast. And just as fasting was required in the Old Testament, I'm convinced that fasting is expected in the New Testament. Jesus said, when ye fast, when ye fast, Church, can I say this? I believe that fasting is, is an opportunity for us as God's people to give up the physical to gain the spiritual. You remember when Paul said in Romans chapter 7, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Can I say this? It doesn't matter how long we've been saved. We're still carnal. And I believe fasting is an opportunity to, to, to give up the physical man to gain the spiritual man. Fasting is a way of giving up the natural to gain the supernatural. Fasting separates the carnal man from the spiritual man. Fasting is a scriptural way of controlling your physical appetite to strengthen your spiritual appetite. Church, I'm convinced fasting is not just getting God to be more attentive to us, but it's enabling us to be more attentive to God. I'm convinced that fasting will not and does not put God in a corner. But I will say this. It's amazing what God can and will do when his people fast and pray. There are 10 individuals, at least 10 individuals, that are recorded in the scriptures having fasted. Moses fasted. Ezra fasted. David fasted. Elijah fasted. Nehemiah fasted. Daniel fasted. Jesus fasted. Anna fasted. Paul fasted. Cornelius fasted. But let me read a passage of scripture to you from Psalm chapter 35 in reference to one of David's fasts. Here's what David said. Psalm chapter 35, verse 11. David said, false witnesses did rise up. They laid to my charge things that I knew not. He said, they were accusing me of things I had no idea of. He said, they rewarded me evil for good to the spoiling of my soul. But as for me, when they were sick, now listen, these were false witnesses. They were enemies, if you were, of David. He said, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting, and my prayer returned into mine own bosom. 
I behaved myself as though he had been my friend or brother. I bowed down heavily as one that mourneth for his mother. David said, when false witnesses rose up against me, he said, I didn't return evil for evil. And I didn't say, well, if you can trump up a charge against me, I can come up with a few charges against you. David said, I looked at him as though he had been my brother. I looked at him as if I was mourning for my mother. And he said, here was this man that raised up a false accusation against me. And what I did is I humbled my soul through fasting. Church, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but can I say this? If David was willing to fast for his enemies, ought we not be willing to fast for our friends, for our family members, maybe even for ourselves? When I look into the Bible, I see five, at least five corporate fasts, country of Israel. They fasted in Judges chapter 20. There was a fast in Esther chapter 4, and there was a, a fast in Jonah chapter 3 when the whole city of Nineveh fasted. In fact, they got so serious about God that they made their animals fast. Judah fasted in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And in Acts chapter 13, we see a corporate fast as well. If you're still in Mark chapter 9, verse 29, let me read that verse to you one more time. And he said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Church, can I say this? I think I can say this because I, I saw this on the way in, KJV 1611. I'm a King James man. I'm just like a Snickers candy bar. They say if you take a Snickers candy bar, any way you slice it up, it comes up peanuts. I'm a KJV man. Any way you slice me up, I'm coming out KJV. But I will say this. I settled it long ago. I'm King James only, but I'm not mad about it. I, I, don't, I, I don't feel like I've got to throw everybody under the bus, but I'll be honest with you. I know where I stand and why I stand there. So with that thought in mind, could I do this just quickly? Look at your Bibles closely at Mark 9, chapter 29. And I want to read to you a verse out of 10 different versions of the Bible. And I want you to tell me what they have done with the modern versions of the Bible. The NIV states in Mark 9, 29, he replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. The New American Standard Version says in Mark 9, 29, and he said to them, this kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. The Amplified Bible says in Mark 9, 29, he replied to them, this kind of unclean spirit cannot come out by anything but prayer to the Father. The New Living Translation says in Mark 9, 29, Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. The English Standard Version says, and he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. The American Standard Version says, and he said unto them, this kind can come out by nothing save by prayer. The English Revised Version said, Jesus answered, this kind of spirit can be forced out only with prayer. The Revised Standard Version says, and he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. The New Century Version says, Jesus answered, that kind of spirit can only be forced out by prayer. The New Revised Standard Version says, and said to them, this kind can come out only through prayer. Wow. Did, did, did you catch the one word they left out? They left out fasting. And I think I can tell you why. I'll do so in just a moment. You see, Pastor Kroll, if, if, if we're told that this kind can come forth by nothing by prayer and fasting, and if we understand that fasting is simply going without food for a specific period of time for a spiritual purpose, then Pastor Kroll, why don't we fast? Let me try to help you with that. Number one, maybe we don't understand what fasting is all about. And I'll try to help you out with that on my next point. Maybe we don't understand the importance of fasting. I will say this. It is one of the easiest spiritual weapons to ignore. And I, I'm not the most seasoned theologian in this auditorium tonight, not by any stretch of the imagination, but can I say this? To the best of my ability, we, don't, we weren't given a whole lot of spiritual weapons. We're given the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit. We were given prayer, I believe, also in Ephesians chapter 6. Praying was all supplication in the Spirit, watching there until the perseverance and supplication for all saints. But I believe there's another weapon that God has given us that if we're not careful, we can tuck it kind of behind the others and maybe put it on the bottom shelf and let the dust cover it up because, boy, this gets a little too close to home. It's called fasting. Can I say this? 
Maybe the reason we don't fast is because our spiritual appetite is not greater than our physical appetite. I'll try not to use myself as too many illustrations tonight, but I was fasting the other day. And I, I got all excited because I, I came into the pantry and I went to grab something to eat. So I was hungry. It's about 8 o'clock at night. I was all excited. I said, I'm hungry. My wife just went to Meyers. She got some, some fresh snacks in there for me. And I thought, praise the Lord. And I pulled it off the shelf. And right behind that, I saw some Girl Scout cookies that I just bought, the peanut butter ones. And the Holy Spirit said, you're fasting. Now, there was a 30-second segment there where my physical appetite was superseding my spiritual appetite. But I remembered what I had on my prayer list for that day. When I remembered what I had been praying for all throughout that day for God to do, I put that box back on the shelf. And I said, no flesh, no. My spiritual appetite must be greater today than my physical appetite is. Pastor, why don't we fast? Because your flesh doesn't want to fast. We are so conditioned to eating three meals a day. I believe sometimes as Americans, we eat when we're not even hungry. Because that's the schedule. It's breakfast we eat. It's lunch we eat. It's supper we eat. It's snack time we eat. In fact, isn't it interesting that the first meal of the day is called breakfast? which initially meant break fast. Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying I think this generation has lost something. I think we're going through the motions and God's given us a spiritual weapon that maybe we've left unused and maybe we haven't taken it to the full advantage that God wants us to use it for. And I'm convinced that one of the reasons we don't fast is because the flesh doesn't want us to. And then lastly, let me say this before I get up to my last point. The devil doesn't want you to fast. I'm convinced that's why in most of the modern versions of the, the Bible, and, and can I say this? I do not believe that the King James is a version. It's the Word of God. These other ones, they're just, they're, they're, they're just wannabes, and they've got all the reasons for it. Oh, we're going to make it easier to understand. We're going to make it easier to read. Sure, but what they're doing is they're watering it down, and they're taking out essentials that never should have been meddled with. Do you realize the devil doesn't want you to fast? Can I tell you why? He knows the word of God better than we do. And he knows that this kind can only come forth by prayer and fasting. And wouldn't it be sad to carry a King James Bible to church? Wouldn't it be sad to see King James Version 1611 on the front of the pulpit and live an NIV lifestyle? Would it not be sad to have all the ammunition of this word of God at our fingertips? That because of maybe our, 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 our neglect of understanding, that we would let something go unused, that God has said, no, no, if you're going to encounter this, if you're going to encounter this type of a spirit, disciples, let me let you know. I know I've given you all power. I've given you power over all the devils and over all the sicknesses and over all the diseases. But wait a minute. You're going to encounter every one of the, every once in a while. You're going to encounter something that seems to have more power and authority than you do. This guy can only come forth by prayer and fasting. Pastor Crow, what is fasting all about? It's going without food for a specific period of time for a spiritual purpose. Pastor Crow, why don't we fast? Maybe we don't understand fasting. Maybe we don't understand the importance of fasting. It certainly is one of the easiest spiritual weapons to ignore. Our spiritual appetite may not be greater than our physical appetite, our flesh certainly doesn't want to fast, and neither does the devil want us to fast. If I could close my message with my last point, say, Pastor Kroll, could you help me? Why is it that I should fast? I'm with you. I feel like I've got that obsessive compulsory disorder to eating. Why would I put aside food for a spiritual reason or a spiritual purpose? Could I ask you to turn to Isaiah chapter 58? We'll look at Isaiah chapter 58. We'll close our message here as we look at why is it that we should fast. As you're turning there, I'm going to start reading in verse number one. The Bible says, cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. 
Yet they seek me daily and delight to know, know my ways as a nation did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not. I'm in the top of verse number three. Wherefore have we afflicted our soul and thou takest no knowledge. Behold, in the day of your fast ye find pleasure and exact all your labors. Behold, ye fast for strife and debate and to smite with the fist of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as ye do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. God said you're fasting, but he said your motive's all wrong. He said while you're fasting, he said there's strife there and there's debates there and there's wickedness going on. And God said that's not the purpose of fasting. I believe he gives us the purpose at the end of verse 4. He said to make your voice to be heard on high. Pastor Carl, why do you, why do you fast and pray? Because every once in a while I encounter things in this life of this kind of a nature that are only going to come out but by prayer and fasting. And unfortunately, I'm facing them much more often. It seems like they're much more repetitious than what they even were in years gone by. And it seems as I get in the ministry, Brother Brown, I'm facing things. We were talking about this a minute ago. I'm facing things in my ministry today that I never faced 20 years ago. But we've got a, an electronic epidemic that's destroying this generation. I was making a visit with my wife the other day, and here was a, a lady with a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And she said, we can't even have a family dinner anymore because they can't come to the supper table without bringing their iPads. Wait a minute, they're not even in school yet. They're bringing their iPads to the table, and we've got now our Christian school kids want to go on an activity, but they want to have the earphones in their ears. What in the world do they need earplugs for? What do they need the headphones for? Less what they're listening to is not appropriate. Less what they're playing is not appropriate. And it seems like we're in this epidemic right now, and, and I promise you it's only going to get worse. It's not going to get any better. We get to verse number five, and here's where we start. God said, is it such a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? God said, we don't fast to get sympathy. We don't fast for somebody to look at us and think that we're trying to put on our, our spiritual best and trying to put on some type of spiritual show. And in fact, even in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, don't disfigure your face when you fast. Don't, 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 you don't have to put a, a badge on and say, um, be kind to me today, I'm fasting. God said, no, no, that's not the purpose. The purpose is because you recognize that there's a spiritual warfare going on. And you recognize that you're going to encounter more times than you want to recognize and more times than we want to give credit for this kind of spirit and this kind of devil that is only going to come forth but by prayer and fasting. We get to verse number six. The Bible says, is not this the fast that I have chosen? God said, here's the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free and that she break every yoke. You say, Pastor Carl, why is it that I, should, would I, that I should fast and pray? Number one, can I say this? For deliverance. Can I ask you a question tonight? Do you know anyone who is being held by the bands of wickedness? When I pulled in, I immediately recognized your Reformers Unanimous sign. About 14 or 15 years ago, we started a unanimous program, and it's been one of the greatest blessings of our church. Oh, it's, it's also been one of the greatest heartaches of our church because we've, we've watched people come, and we've watched victory take place, and we used to have a, an RU month every year. We used to do it in the month of February, and I would take and I would preach through the 10 principles every year, and I would preach it on Sunday morning, Sunday, Wednesday night. We'd get through the 10 principles, and we would have students get up and give their testimonies, and after we did that probably four or five years, my director came to me, and what a, what a precious layman, he was one of my deacons, and he came to me one day and he said, Pastor, he said, can we do something a little bit different next time? He said, can, can we go ahead and do everything we've done, but can we eliminate the student testimonies? And I said, sure, we can, but I said, Brother Mike, they're so powerful when they get up and tell how God's released them from that burden of wickedness. And he started to cry. He said, can I show you my list? He said, in the last four or five years, every student that got behind that pulpit and gave their testimony of victory 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, one year, two year, he said, they're all gone back into the world again, preacher. 
He said, they're all back in jail again, prison again, drugs again. Every single one of them, the devil has reclaimed them. And he said, I believe they were sincere, Pastor Cole. I believe many of them got saved. And I believe many of them were serious about getting freedom from that victory and, or freedom from that addiction. And I, I believe they wanted victory more than anything. And we would sing victory in Jesus on Friday nights. And he said, I could hear it. They were singing it from their heart and from their soul. But he said, as I look around the auditorium, as I look around on Friday nights, they're gone. Can I tell you why? Because they had a band of wickedness. And by the grace of God, I, I, I've never smoked, I've never drank, I've never done drugs, and that was because of a wonderful God and a wonderful set of parents. But I don't know what these people go through. And how they break that addiction, and all of a sudden, here comes the, the, the drug dealer again, and here comes their buddies again, and here comes the opportunities to go party again, and all of a sudden, they hit a low spot in their life, and the first thing they want to do is go right back to where at one point they thought they found some consolation. But it wasn't consolation, it was destruction. Pastor Crow, why should we fast and pray? Because there's people we know that are being held by the bands of wickedness. There are people we know that are bearing some heavy burdens. There are some people we know that are oppressed and they need to be set free. And there are some people that are, that are carrying a heavy yoke tonight that need broken. Look at verse 7. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry? And that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house. When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. Not only do I believe we fast and pray for deliverance, but we have to fast and pray for discernment. When I see these people begging on the corners of the streets, every once in a while my heart breaks, and I, especially if I see that it's a lady there rather than a man. And boy, I, I want to reach in my billfold and give them a $5 bill or a $10 bill, but can I say this? You wonder how they're going to spend it. Are they going back to more drugs? Are they going back to more? Are they still going to live this, this, this horrible, idolatrous, wicked lifestyle? But then the Bible says, you, you need to bring the poor to your house. When you see the naked, you need to cover them. And then he said this, and you don't want to hide yourself from your own flesh. Boy, in the ministry, I've been reminded that I've got to be so careful that I, I discern myself and make sure that when I balance and schedule my time, that I make sure that I've got time to take care of the needs of others and take care of the needs of our church and take care of those that maybe are visiting and kind of on the fringe. But at the same time, I've got to make sure that I meet the needs of my family. And, and I am so convinced that, that God doesn't want us just to sit in a service. He wants us to sit so that we can serve, so we can soak up what he's got for us, so we can take it out to a lost and dying world and, and serve the God that we love. Sometimes we need that discernment to say, God, how do I balance this schedule out? Boy, I've got a wife and I've got children. I've got responsibilities and now I've got a grandson. How do I know what to do and what not to do? And I don't know about you, but I have more questions oftentimes at the end of the day than I have answers. And I find myself saying, God, I need help. Could you give me the discernment that I need that when I see the right poor person, I'll know this is the right person I can bring to my house. If I bring the wrong guy, he might come back the next day and clean it out. Discernment. Look at verse 8. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily. And thy righteousness shall go forth before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy re-reward. Say, Pastor, why would we fast and pray, not only for deliverance, not only for discernment, but for physical and spiritual desires? The Bible says, then shall thy, thy health break forth speedily. There's a lady back in the New Testament that the Bible says that she had a spirit of infirmity. And I looked that word spirit up, and it was the same spirit that referred to an unclean or a devilish spirit. And I'm the last guy that will tell you that every disease that is inflicted upon a child of God comes from the devil. But the Bible makes it very clear that hers was. I'm not against doctors. I go see them every once in a while. But can I say this? I think it's time that God's people said, I'm going to give this to God. And God, we understand that any healing that's going to come is not going to come from a doctor and it's not going to come from a pill. It's going to come from God. And if we would get serious enough and say, God, if you want to relieve this sickness, this illness, I'm going to fast and pray and see if you allow that health to break forth. And if you don't, then I'm just going to accept it as your will. But I wonder how many times that maybe God's just waiting to take that away when we get serious about prayer and fasting. Follow down to verse number 11. 
And the Lord shall guide thee continually. Pastor, why, why do we pray and fast? Because we need direction. Several years ago, my oldest daughter came to me and she was a senior in high school and we, we knew the Bible college that she was going to go to. We picked it out when she was in the seventh grade and we'd been praying for five years in seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh grade. We knew exactly where she was going to go to Bible college. But all of a sudden, this senior year came around and I sat down with her and I said, Maddie, I, I don't have a peace about this anymore. And she said, Dad, she said, I don't want to make the decision. You tell me where God wants me to go to college and that's where I'll go. And I said, no, no, don't do that. You, you, you can get a hold of God and you can find out where God wants you to go. And mom and dad will pray along with you. And she said, oh, no, dad. She said, you tell me where God wants me to go and that's where I'm going to go. You know what it did to me? I said, you better get direction from God. Oh, yeah. You know, sometimes pastors get those pastor's discounts. Boy, some of them look very, very exciting and encouraging. They've got a few Bible colleges now that have no tuition. You just pay room and board. One just started up a, a little bit west, and I think they charge $100 a month. I'm thinking $900 a year. That's in my budget. And I sent her to one where her first year was $9,000. Because after I fasted and prayed and we talked as a family, we went on a little bit of a college tour. We said, this is where we believe God wants you to go. And I'm convinced that's where God wanted her to go. Well, then along comes the twins, and they graduated last year, and they said, Dad, tell us where to go to Bible college, and that's where we're going to go. Why do you have to be like your older sister? Why can't you be a little bit more decisive? They said, because you picked it for Maddie. We want you to pick it for us. We began to fast. We began to pray. And God seemed to say, this is where I want him to go. We visited several different Bible colleges and it seemed like just there wasn't that peace about any particular one and they were all good places to go. We're having a family conversation one night and I said, you know, there's one college we haven't visited. Why don't we make plans to go and visit? They said, Dad, it's too far away. Dad, you don't have time. I said, oh no. I haven't invested 19 years in the two of you to not have enough time to go check out one more Bible college. I said, we're going. A couple weeks later, we made plans, and we went, and when we were there, we, I dropped him off, and I said, I'll meet you guys for chapel, but you guys can go to the classes by yourself, and we met him for chapel and talked afterwards, and they said, Dad, we think this is where God wants us to come. I said, good. I feel the same way. You said, Pastor Cole, you, you need direction every day, not just for my family, for my church. I make decisions every week that could hurt some people and maybe help others, but I have to make sure that when I make a decision that I, I, I've at least got directions from headquarters. So if I think I can just run on my own, and well, I've done this thing for 20 plus years and I've, I've made these decisions before, I realize that every decision could lead to dissension. And I learned at the end of the day what I need more than anything is not my wisdom, I need God's direction. See, Pastor Crowley, any other reason to fast? Look at the end of verse 11. Not only shall the Lord guide thee continually, but the Bible says, and satisfy thy soul and draw, and make fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. Do you, you know what we need to fast? To maintain our dependence on God. It's not my ability to put those groceries in the closet, in the pantry. It's not my ability to, to pay my bills every month. That comes from God. Someone said, every man also, and God hath given riches and wealth and have given power to eat thereof and to take his portion and to rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God. Do you realize your ability to, to work an income and to be able to bring a, a paycheck home, that's a gift from God. The, the fact that God's given me the opportunity to, to, to pastor this long, it's a gift from him. Every time that paycheck comes in, it's a gift from God. You know what I need? I need to maintain my dependence on him. The minute I think I can do it on my own, I'm going in the wrong direction. Can I give you one last one? Look at verse number 12. They that shall be thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. Pastor girl, why should we fast? Because if we ourselves aren't in a position of needing deliverance, 
We know many people who do. Because we need discernment. We need our physical and spiritual desires to be met. We need God's direction. We need our dependence to stand him. Jesus said in John 15, 5, without me, you can do nothing. And in verse number 12, I'm convinced we need to fast so that we could make a difference for the next generation. I'm 52 years old. I know that's not old, but it sure used to be. Hello? When I was this age right here, 50 was old. 40 was old. 30 was knocking on the door. Now that I'm 52, I'm thinking, man, I feel as good as I did when I was 22. When I stopped at Meyer to put gas in my car today, I got a little bit of Mountain Dew to keep me awake on the way. I passed by the little medicine side and I saw a little six-pack of ibuprofen for $1.99. And I thought, you know what? If that pain in my ankle doesn't subside, I probably have to put two of them in my body before I preach tonight. I wouldn't have thought about that 20 years ago. You just wake up sometimes and you're like, wait a minute, did I even go to bed last night? I don't even feel like I slept last night. I feel as tired as I was when I laid down. Is it really 6 o'clock in the... There's no way. My wife's playing tricks on me again. There's no way it can be 6 o'clock in the morning. You know what I want to do? I want to spend the rest of my life making a difference for the next generation. Because you know what they need? They need the same God that I've had. They need to enjoy the same journey that I've enjoyed. I would bore you with the details if I told you how good God's been to me and how gracious God's been to me and how kind God's been to me. And church, can I say this? There ought to be something inside of us that says by the grace of God, somebody's got to make a difference for this next generation. Somebody's got to let them see the same God that we serve is still on the throne. His power hasn't diminished. He's not in heaven chewing Maylocks and wondering what in the world is going on. And Donald Trump's in office and some days it looks like a good thing and there's other days I'm thinking, did I vote for him? We're talking, as, I hear as much about Russia as I do America. And I'm like, what in the world? I've never heard so much about Russia in my life before. And I'm like, what is happening to our country? Oh, but you know what? I'm glad my hope is not in the White House. My hope is in God. And when I come to his house, I can leave encouraged because I'm reminded that God is still on the throne. Church, can I say this? You're going to encounter some devils in this world. And you're going to say to yourself, wait a minute, I thought the Bible said that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Oh, that's true. But ask yourself this question. Have I used every spiritual weapon that God has placed at my disposal? Well, I, I pray. Well, I, I read the Bible. You know what Jesus said? This kind cometh forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. What is fasting? It's going without food for a specific period of time for a spiritual purpose. Pastor Carl, why don't we fast? Maybe we don't fully understand that. Maybe we don't understand the importance of it. Maybe we fail to recognize that our, our spiritual appetite must be greater than our physical appetite. I'll be honest with you. The first time I fasted, I literally thought that I wasn't going to make it that 72 hours. I thought there's no way this is going to happen. But I said, God, I, I think you've put me on a new journey. And can I say almost 20 years later, he's still teaching me about it constantly. But I could tell you story after story after story. God's done. And I believe it's because when we encounter those disconnect that God said, Kevin, what you need to do with this one? Spend some time on your knees. Leave the food alone today. This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Pastor Girl, does that mean God's answered every prayer you've ever prayed when you've prayed and fasted? Oh, no. No. But there's one thing it has done. 
It's reminded me on several occasions that I've done everything I could possibly have done. I, I prayed, I fasted, I read the word of God, and I did my very best, God, to bring it to him and say, God, it's all up to you now. What a precious dear saint in our church a few years ago. Oh, she was so sweet. She absolutely fell in love with our girls' volleyball team, and she would travel to every game we went and every tournament we went, and cancer was just eating her body, and our girls would pray, and even my two girls my, that were on the volleyball team would, would, would come to me, and they'd say, Dad, is it okay if we take the next two days and fast for Miss Becky? When she died, I pulled my girls aside. And I said, I know what you were praying for. I know what you were fasting for. And they said, Dad, it's okay. Because it was God's will. But they said, we had to do everything we could so that when we saw her in that casket, we could say, we did everything we could to keep her on this side of glory. God was ready to take her home. I said, praise the Lord. He's not going to answer every, every request the way we want it because he's God. But church, can I say this? This kind, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Heavenly Father, help us tonight. God, help us to see this truth tonight. Maybe for some it'll spark something in their life that will cause them to embark on a journey. It's not always easy. Oh, but it's a worthwhile journey. If we could remind ourselves that fasting is a spiritual weapon that if we're not careful, we can so easily ignore. And I wonder how many times you've looked at our Christian life and said, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. And we were doing everything we could to read our Bibles and pray and get as close to you as we could. But somehow our spiritual appetite was not greater than that physical appetite. God help us to realize in our Christian life you expect us to give. You expect us to pray. You expect us to fast. May we pick that weapon up and use it the way you intend us to. For your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you all stand, please? Just a